morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me is my sidekick. I'm Dr. Eisenberg. That good morning, Johnny. Good morning. Good morning, Big Necks. And good morning to all of you great folks out there. We are super excited because we just got back from Maker Fair. We totally did. Maker Fair, it's awesome. Yeah. The 2013 the World, World Maker Fair. At the New York Hall of Science in yes. Queens. The one time a year we will definitely go to Queens. Yup. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's harsh, but come on. Well, it's funny because we live on the same island as Queens. Yeah. But it takes so long to get there because you have to go to another island. Yeah. And then get back to that island and then vice versa to get home. Yeah, I mean, there's a train that goes there, but pff, that train sucks. Yeah, yeah. If, if you were driving, it would take five minutes. Well, kind of. Ish. If you were plowing through buildings. Well, you know, as the crow flies. It's not about crows, it's not about queens, it's about the World Maker Fair that happened to be in Queens, but it's not about queens. Which is awesome. It's one of my favorite things to do every year. It really is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, last year, we went last year, Yeah. and like, five minutes after getting there, we're like, we're coming again next year. Hell, yes. Yeah, so. Like, as annual events go, it's like, Maker Fair, uh, Free They Might Be Giant show in the park. Uh, uh, Christmas. Yeah. Uh, like in that order. Macy's yeah. Parade, whatever. We went. We made fun of it. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Ice skating at Rockefeller Center, whatever. Fuck that. Yeah, have fun with the tourists, dum-dum. Yeah. You know, oh, look, I'm in a bad movie with some, some guy. Well, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I, I, and maybe that's just me being bitter. I don't ice skate. I would fall on my ass. Yeah. I've never done it. But, uh, I guess Mermaid Parade is cool, but yeah. I don't go because I don't like the sunshine. Yeah, neither it's, do I. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's yeah. good for them. But anyway, Maker Fair is totally up our alley. It really kind of is. And if you guys like this show, fair chance you'd like it too. You know, yeah. if you have the opportunity to go one, because they do them all over the world, not everywhere though. Not everywhere, everywhere. Like, I mean, the, the other really big one is in San Francisco. Yeah. And then they do smaller ones here and there. Like, this is one of the biggins, and, uh... Yeah! Good lord. It is, I mean, like, for those not in the know, uh... Yeah, let's give them a little background on what Maker Faire is, first of all. Maker Faire is the, you know, annual or semi-annual, whatever... Right. ...coming together of a whole hell of a lot of people in the Maker Movement... Yeah. And the people who do, you know, Make Magazine, that kind of stuff, I mean, they certainly use a similar font, whether they're affiliated or not... They're absolutely affiliated. Oh, right. Their store has... You get a discount on tickets if you buy a subscription to their magazine. And they have... The, 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 the store where they sell kits is the biggest tent in the joint. Uh, yeah. 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 So... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, just the, the quote-unquote gift shop of the fair is this huge tent with rows and rows of, like, robot parts. Yeah, and, like, electronics kits and microcontrollers you can solder at home so that you can control your blender with your computer or your iPad or whatever. Yeah. The the maker movement is is straight up people who like to make shit. Yeah. Yeah. It is people who, who want to say, I mean, it, it's a whole lot of impulses coming together. Mm-hmm. It's just people who enjoy making stuff because it's fun. Yeah. People who do it for, for practical reasons, you know, because nice things shouldn't be expensive. Mm-hmm. And cool things shouldn't necessarily be, you know, uh, scaring people off or being, you know, seen as too difficult. Yeah, yeah. Like, you see, uh, every once in a while you see videos of, like, uh, uh, you know, some new Japanese robot. 
And if your first instinct is like, oh my god, that's so amazing and advanced, I could never make that. Japan's like, fantastic. Yeah. And Japan is great, but anyone can make a robot. Yeah, I mean, maybe not that robot. Maybe not an ambulatory robot that plays the trumpet or does a fan dance. But, but yeah, you can certainly make a robot. You start small. Oh yeah, you know. no, there was the uh, there was a whole little booth set up for uh, I think they're called like hex bugs or hex box or something. They're this toy. I've actually seen product uh, or uh, I've actually seen commercials for them on TV. They sell those kits at Radio Shack sometimes. Yeah, it's it's literally it is just a little rubber bug body, mm-hmm. and then inside it is like a tiny battery. Mm-hmm. The uh, the little lopsided motor from a video game controller that makes it vibrate. Yeah. And a little sensor that makes it turn whenever it hits an obstacle. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. And then you just, you put it down and it vibrates on its little legs and will like find paths through stuff. Yeah. And it's like three parts. <laughs> it's uh, it's got to be cheap as hell to produce, you know? And oh, yeah. I mean, once they make those microchips, like, like the, these, this level of microchips, because yeah. this is sort of inspired by the BeamBot innovation. Yeah, uh, no, um, it's very similar to a, a robot I actually built. Yeah. Yeah, the mouse bot. Uh-huh. Right. Because you can, uh, the, the microchips have a couple of simple programming steps. Which is, you know, depending on which one, they're like, there's the one that's, you know, turn when you hit an obstacle. Mm-hmm. You know, there's another one you can install that uh, is go towards the light, yeah. or you flip a switch and it runs away from the light. Yeah, no, I built one that actually, uh, it goes, it, it follows light, yeah. and if it hits a wall, it rebounds and turns. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. the same basic uh, idea, right. but super tiny, and it's shaped like a bug, and... This is a real product that is being sold to children, advertised on television, and, you know, it was welcome there because it has its roots in this movement. Yeah. There was... And we'll get back to the children thing, because I think that's important. There was a lot of stuff for kids there. There were a lot of kids there. ton of kids. Like, these... The the, the level of encouragement yeah. of just to get interested in technology and, like, uh, you know, personal innovation and stuff. Oh, yeah. Is huge there. Yeah, like, I mean... The number of kids that are going to grow up cool because, because they have parents that take them to stuff like this... Absolutely, is a huge deal. Like, I mean, if I ever have kids, I am doing all my Christmas shopping at Maker Faire. Abso-fucking-lutely. And it's not just robots. No, no. And it's, it's like... There's there's so much cool DIY stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the big thing at Maker Faire the last few years mm-hmm. has been 3D printers... Yeah. And this is the year where I feel like the 3D printers themselves were scaled back to a less a less dominant position in the whole fair because frankly they're just becoming more mainstream. There were big corporations there showing off their 3D printers and their laser etching and their, you know, uh like just their equivalent of stuff that people have been building from kits for years. Absolutely. Like there's a couple things going on there with that, right? Because uh, 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 there was uh, a stepping up in the 3D printer quality there. Yeah. Because for the most part, for several years, they had kind of the basic model mm-hmm. that's like the little glass kind of conveyor, and it spits out the reams of plastic. Yeah, and it... I mean, everything that gets made, I mean, some of it looks nice if you have it on, like, the highest quality settings. Yeah. But a lot of it has that sort of cobwebby, latticey texture. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of your basic early prototype 
Yeah, uh, like that's the one you can build at home for a couple hundred bucks of parts. Right, but yeah. this year I saw much higher fidelity in the actual stuff produced. Oh, absolutely. And, like, yeah, the super flashy, sexy new models. There was one called the Vader, and it's, oh, it's this big, gorgeous, like, black and no. silver with, like, a black marble base. I mean, I love, uh... I love any piece of, you know, home electronics that recalls the, the monolith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell, when I built my, when I, I built a PC last year, uh-huh. and when I was picking out my case, I was like, this one is as black as the monolith and nearly as big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm using this one. Yeah, there was another, another 3D printer that was, uh, uh, this big, sexy black. It was like a, a wooden cabinet. Oh, I saw that. It thing. looked like one of those expensive things you keep good stereo speakers yeah, in. Yeah, no, I saw And your... it had, like, this orange glass that, like, looked like sodium lighting. I saw your photo of it. I actually missed it at the uh, the fair itself. I saw your photo of it. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I realized what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the reason you thought you saw fewer 3D printers is because they had, like, the next generation of 3D They printers. were just getting sexier. They were, yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't all look like they were held together with Legos and duct tape. Not that I don't mind a device held together with Legos and duct tape. Well, here's the thing with Maker Faire, because you've got, you've got parallels, right? You've got, on the one hand, the hobbyists, so the people who just make all kinds of stuff, screen printing and, yeah. like, weird guitars made out of weird stuff. Oh, I love those guitars. But they're also very cutting edge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they were doing, they were talking about 3D printers mm-hmm. a decade before it was on the news. Oh, and yeah. now, this year, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, mm-hmm. guns. Oh, uh, yeah. Because uh, uh, people will talk about it faster if it's about guns. Mm-hmm. But even stuff about, like, you know, uh, revolutionizing manufacturing and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing so many segments on the news this year. They've been talking about it for at least ten years. Oh, yeah. Easy. No, I remember reading uh, the first chunk of Cory Doctorow's book about uh, 3D printing. Uh-huh. Like in 2005. Yeah. And then fucking waiting five years for it to come out. <laughs> well, yeah. And then it wasn't great. But whatever. That first bit was wonderful. Yeah, and, uh, well, that's Cory Doctorow in a nutshell. Great concept, blows the payoff. Well, who doesn't blow the payoff? Well, Cory Doctorow is great at coming up with ideas yeah. and not great at writing people. Well. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you no, know, it, you, it, should, you, should, you should partner him with like a, um, like a John Steinbeck type. Or uh, um, or someone who's alive. Or uh, or uh, who's the who's the as I lay dying guy? Faulkner. Uh, Faulkner. Yeah. Again, yeah. maybe or someone who's alive. Well, I said a Faulkner type, okay. not literally Faulkner. We know a Faulkner type. We know several. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's not about that. no. Uh, it is about the the kick ass things we saw. Are we even going to bother with the topic, or is this the topic? Fuck the topic. This is the topic. We just went to Maker Fair. Yeah. Maker Fair is the topic. Maker Fair is absolutely the this topic. This is a great thing to yeah. talk about that we actually went to. That's better than doing research. Okay? We yeah. were there. That's we, firsthand. That is research. This that is, is a journalism. Account. We are a primary source. Yeah. Damn it. The other way, though, that I think they're very cutting edge is, okay, uh, uh, this summer there was an article in, I forget, the New Yorker or one of those. Something that everybody pretends they read. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a big article that was like, the new domesticity. And it was about like the trend of like people knitting (laughs) on the subway and making their own jam and stuff. Yeah. And that's cool. I am totally up for people making their own stuff. I've made almond butter. But the way 
this article was framed mm. was that like they went to you know a farmer's market and like for the first time realized oh my god somebody's brewing beer at home it's like yeah it's like wait a minute the people are making things and they don't live in buttfuck Iowa yeah you know oh, it's like they're people like who aren't farmers are making jam it's like People in the city are like, they're sort of high-tech, but they're sort of like Amish people. Yeah, it's like it blew their mind that someone who wasn't Amish might bake. And they were trying really hard to coin a term. Yeah, new domesticity. The new domesticity or whatever it was. And I looked at it and I was like, dude, that's the maker movement. That's been going on for a long-ass time. I I swear, if I didn't see that article, I saw one like it this summer or last summer or every fucking summer when they're... Hard up for real news. If it's like, guys, <laughs> the movement has been happening. Yeah, but like, like I, we have a fair for it. You yeah. can come. Like I saw an article about that, and it was about somebody making their own jam or knitting or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there you have it, proof that feminism has failed. <laughs> you what the hell? I know it's ridiculous. It's like, oh look, they have nice things for cheap. Yeah, I, I feel like this maybe is a failure of capitalism. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The 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 just the. I, I, I want to. I, I, this is a little bit cliche, but I also kind of feel like it's dead on. Yeah. Since World War Two, okay, uh, yeah, because because you know we had like the the whole like uh, captains of industry and your Henry Ford and the invention of the assembly line and stuff. Yes, and then like after World War Two, there was you know kind of the American bounty of manufacturing for a time, yes, and for for a few decades, yeah, and uh, you know so many people were getting good paying. Factory jobs, oh, like yeah. uh, the you know the the legendary middle class that Republicans pretend they can do anything about. Yeah. Actually, all politicians pretend, pretend they can, can do, do anything about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but that, no, any Joe fuckface off the street could be like, "I need a job," and they'll be like, "We'll train you how to attach widgets to do dads." Yeah, that huge like you know actually strong blue collar workforce. Yeah, that was such a, a, a strong engine of commerce yeah that people would just go out and buy everything like there's a factory that makes anything yeah go out and buy it and you know it's it's just that's that's your capitalism we'll make more high scale we'll make uh, an infinite amount of everything we have to make more so that we can pay the people who are buying them (laughs) yeah and 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 partly just because that is broken down so much and you can only import so much crap from, you know, anywhere else. Yeah, China, but anywhere. Yeah, China, India, etc. But, yeah. yeah. But, but like, there's... And, and a lot of this is just technological innovation. Because mm-hmm. there's both sides. Like, people are make, are knitting their own sweaters oh, and yeah. scarves and shit. And we've known how to do that for a thousand years. Yeah. Uh, so a few thousand years. However yeah. long knitting has existed. I don't know. I mean, if not knitting specifically, then various ways... Of weaving thread into, you know, at weaving the, thread into a sheet of cloth. At the same time, uh, you can also, for a, not a terrible expense, uh, uh, get basically a tiny plastics manufacturing company that you can keep on your kitchen table. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and download, you know, plans into it. Oh, yeah, no. You I know, mean, you need a bracket or a screw or something, yeah. you can print it out. Hell, man, I mean, as soon as they come up with a, a good way to paint those at home, yeah. as soon as they build a 3D printer with a spray booth, yeah, yeah, your kids can have all the Star Wars action figures that delighted you as a child without fucking up your collector's items. Yup. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know how, we, you know, like, if you're a nerd, it's like, 
one to keep in the package forever and one to play with even though I'm 38. Sure. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not yet. But that's, uh, that's that's not how I live my life, but people do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, not anymore. Now it's one to keep in the package forever and then a bootleg one I printed <laughs> to play with. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, break that one all you want. Oh, you broke it? Fucking melt it down, print it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, when they get a good spray booth on there, I guarantee you, the first thing we're seeing is Black He-Man. Well, it's about damn time. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah it's, uh... <laughs> uh, but the other, one of the other big things they have, because they have uh, exhibitions. Like, oh, right. Kind of, because there's a little bit of traveling carnival with it. There is a big carnival vibe to uh, some good-sized chunks of it. Yeah, I there's... mean, there's there's the the guy who is a straight-up carnival barker running the uh, the uh, human-sized game of Mousetrap. Yeah, you guys remember Mousetrap, the board game, which was a Rube Goldberg device. Yeah, that you assembled and it had the wash tub and the yeah, you know, the, the it had like yeah, it had the, the the rickety steps. Yeah, and then there was the boot that kicked the ball down the slide. Right. And then it flipped the little uh, guy in the old-timey bathing suit into a bathtub. Right. So you remember in that game, the cage came down on a tiny plastic mouse that was smaller yeah. than an actual mouse. It was like a little bigger than a fly. Yeah, yeah. And so scaled up not just to the size of capturing an actual mouse, but scaled up so that the cage could capture an entire human. Yeah, but then they said, why would we have a cage drop on a human yeah. when we could have a safe drop on a car? Right. So you also get to smash shit. Yeah. But yeah, so this thing is colossal. It is. It's it, like the size of a roller coaster. It, it is roller coaster size. I mean, like, if it was remotely safe to play on, I would say it is the size of a very nice playground. Yeah, but it's But dangerous. no, it's not. It's, yeah. You shouldn't be letting your kids play around safes dangling from ropes. I would not be surprised if he had a hard hat under his top hat. No, not at all. <laughs> because of course he's fucking wearing a top hat. Oh yeah, and tails. Absolutely, the the red like ringmaster jacket. Absolutely. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh they also have the um the guys who do the um the Coke and Mentos. Uh the show. guys who did like the original uh Diet Coke and Mentos, like the big viral one from like 06. Yeah. Like the first big Cocomentos video. Yeah. Like the ballet. Yeah. Yeah, those guys are still touring, and uh, indeed, they come to Maker Fair, and we saw them, and it, it's it's better in person. It's really cool, and like, yeah, they're just, this is what those dudes do now. They made the viral video, and they're yeah. just like, we tour around doing Mentos Coke shows. One of the guys used to be a lawyer, yeah. and then they posted that video, and it's like, now we're the Mentos guys. That's crazy fun. It is. They look like they're enjoying it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, at the end of the show, they give out the uh, the empty, crushed bottles to kids as souvenirs. Yeah. They all, they also have a race of people who design their own, like, go-karts and stuff. Oh, yeah. And even that, like, that would be cool. Oh, a race between people who, right. not, like... A race of underground dwellers whose entire economy is go-kart. That'd be awesome, but we don't have that. You know, that's like a Star Trek alien where there's like a planet of people who all do one thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, as far as we know, the the mole people do not have go-karts. But, you know, I mean, come talk to us, mole people. Yeah, you know, you can't prove that they don't. But, no, uh, uh, they do have a go-kart track with with bleachers. (laughs) Yeah. But but the cool thing about the go-kart track is it it would be cool enough if everyone just made their own go-karts. That would be awesome. It also goes completely off the rails. 
I saw, I watched for, like, I, I watched it for a while, mm-hmm. and at one point, one of the racing teams, mm-hmm. they stop halfway through, and, uh, and it's, like, a couple of guys, and then the driver is this, like, beautiful woman in, like, a ball gown, <laughs> and they get out, they get out a bunch of, like, big pieces of paper and lay them down and they lay down some paint and a paintbrush and the woman gets back in the go-kart and she drives in figure eights around the paper sticking her arm out and painting the different papers while she's driving around them and then gave it to the audience. I also saw, I didn't see in person, but you had a picture of uh-huh. uh, a blue shell from Mario Kart. Oh, yeah. Was that part of the go-kart, or was that part of one of the other robot comp- competitions? Uh, no, it was just something some guy made. I think I don't oh. know if he printed it or if he just sculpted it. But. Well, it was definitely a, a blue shell with spikes from Mario Kart. And it was on a little uh, a little chassis that could like you know zip around. Yeah, and it was like life size. Yeah. Like if that if that was a real kind of turtle. Yeah, no, it yeah. was the size it would be if Koopa Troopas existed. Yeah, so that was awesome. And yeah. there's there's a lot of cool customization stuff. Oh yeah, there's a lot of people just modding shit, not even making shit. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's people. There's the obvious. There's people like printing their own T-shirt designs. Which oh yeah, is cool. I mean, like like, sc- like classic like screen print. Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of them use you know the press. Like they still do it by hand, but they have the big, expensive, several thousand dollar press and a big space to do it in. Right. I mean, I found a crew of people who are doing it by hand. Just slap the screen down, take the squeegee over it, hold it down with your fucking knee. You know, like like I do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And lucky me, I was wearing one of my better shirts that I've done that way when I met those people. Yeah. And they were like, oh, shit, that's a crisp line. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Most of the T-shirts you wear are T-shirts you designed yourself. Yeah, no. If I if it has something on it, chances are I put it there. Right. Yeah. Well done, sir. I mean, um, that's the only way to do it. I mean, people <laughs> who buy things are suckers. I mean, that is the thing. I mean... Like there, there, there is a certain strain of like the 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 Ron Swanson impulse, you know, like the live in the cabin and bury your gold bullshit. Yeah, but mostly it's the Ron Swanson of people who buy things are suckers. Yeah, uh, there were like there's like handmade jewelry, um, you know, like hand painted, like every items like a light switch covers. Oh yeah, I mean regarding the jewelry, I saw one of the people who made jewelry made this gorgeous uh, skull out of. Like thousands of little brass letters and numbers pressed together. That was an amazing. Story. It was. Uh, I mean, I, I know some people saw that on Twitter and liked it. That was not for sale. <laughs> <laughs> that was a showpiece. <laughs> There's another thing. There was uh, uh, this uh, little costuming company, right? Okay. And they they did, it was like, it looked like either like fetish gear or like cosplay gear. And there's women wearing like basically like plastic like lingerie sort of things. Yeah, or like, I saw your I, I missed the booth, but I saw your photos of it. It looked like they looked like basically the Princess Leia gold bikini made out of plastic. What they do is they take a like a full laser scan of your body. Yeah, and then they they print out like these crafted plastic fetish gear or cosplay gear or whatever you want mm-hmm. molded specifically to you nice nice looks fantastic yeah. you know and it's like th- that is very cool I mean and I assume if you really want you know just based on how that plastic was put together yeah I mean you could basically just use that as the underwire you know put a little something over that you know some cloth uh, oh yeah totally I mean but but yeah it's, it's all about customization all it's about coming up with your own ideas exactly I mean and this is effectively Tailored plastic 
fetish armor bikinis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like uh, like a Boris Vallejo kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> cut to the exact size of the wearer, like yeah, tailored. You know, as I said. Yeah. But are you paying tailored prices? Fuck no. You're paying five minutes of standing in front of a laser prices, which I assume is less. Yeah, and whatever the workshop and the 3D printer are. Yeah, whatever the cost of a, a, a tiny little bit of plastic is. Yeah, I mean, the cool thing about 3D printer clothing is, like, once you've got the basic design, you take the scan and you just, like, change the number parameters to match, you know, the body, mm-hmm. and then you can just print that out. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's kick-ass. Well, that's exactly it. You know, it's the... Uh, I mean, what was so revolutionary about uh, digital content when that was a new thing, you know, a number of years ago, was that if you make one, Uh you instantly have the resources to make an infinite number of them. Yeah. You know, you can give away as many as you want and nobody will ever have less. This is the, this is the big thing about like 3D printing and home manufacturing in general, right? Because, like, right now, people are making a lot of plastic toys, and, you know, who cares? You don't need that many plastic Basically, toys. Basically, all you can make right now is toys, but... Right. I mean, you can make other stuff, but... I mean, you can make the plastic gun, but who cares? Well, like, yeah, and... if you have a workshop, <laughs> you can make a real gun out of metal. Yeah, and, I mean, like, there are people making, you know, giant tinker toys that they build stuff out of, and those are actually pretty sweet. Those look sturdy, but, uh... Right, but here's the thing. Yeah. Like, the the general principle is you take raw materials and you turn them into stuff. Yes. You know, eventually you use these techniques with things like metal and alloys and you print circuit boards and stuff. Yeah. Eventually can make anything. Uh, certainly. No, the technology looks on on pace to continue down the path it's on. It's, it's happening rapidly. So we saw, we saw one... Lesser version of this with the whole digital download thing yeah. that's been going on for 15 years-ish. Yeah. Since people had enough computing power to make it anything, Napster, etc. Yeah, yeah. So, like, with, like, music sharing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, on the one hand, on the record company kind of thing, it's like, oh, you're stealing this. Well, here's the, here's the, the wrinkle, okay? If I buy a CD... And then make a copy of it and give you the copy. It's like then we both have it. No one. It's not. It, it's not the same kind of material theft because you didn't yeah. take my CD away to have it. Yeah. Yeah. No. That like the the CDs in the stores are theoretically still there to be sold. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be paid for their creativity. They absolutely. absolutely. Should. Um, I mean, hell, half the people I met today, you know. <laughs> For all the making they did, they were very, very much in business, you know? Yeah, and by all means, you know, donate to Bandcamp and stuff. Donate to Bandcamp, you know, like, I, I did not have any cash on me today. I made a vow when I left this morning, I'm spending zero dollars today. Right. Because if I didn't make that vow, then, you know, have fun getting evicted with me. Yeah. But, uh, but the point is that I took, you know, I took the business card of everyone whose stuff I liked. You made contact. Because I want to find them later and frankly do all my christmas shopping at maker fair <laughs> absolutely but here's the, here's the other thing right it's like while i absolutely agree artists should you know be paid for their art when they do something great yeah you know it's those big corporate record companies that did nothing but 
package them yeah. and then overcharge at every level just mm. to get a big chunk for doing nothing creative. Yeah. They can kind of bite my ass. Yeah. And uh, this is the next level of that. Oh, okay? absolutely. You get raw materials, okay? You pay the designers that, you know, give you the plans of how to make the things out of your raw materials. Oh, yeah. You buy the equipment. You print it out. The 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 one thing you're taking out is the the big corporation that's selling it to you at a huge markup. The middlemen in general you're taking out. You're yeah yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. I mean, well, not that guy because it's there, not a guy. There are many many guys. It's a big monster. It's the whole Mitt Romney corporations are people thing. Yeah. We want to kill not actual people, but the corporation pretending to be a person. And I I honestly feel like this this is a solid uh, shot. Across the bow, at least it absolutely you is. Know, it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because again, you know, if you can manufacture shit in your house, I mean, there have been people experimenting with uh, conductive materials in three D printing. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to make a perfect circuit board, but they've certainly made some. You know, some that could work as at least a stopgap. There's a lot of inroads. Yeah, know? no. There, I mean, like if if you need one temporarily until you can get the real one, they've definitely made ones that would work. Mm-hmm. And uh just the just the advancement from last year to this year. Oh my god. It's yes. it's clear there's a lot of people working on this. Yeah. Here's the here's the big step though, okay? okay. And this this'll seg into what I think is the penultimate maker fair thing. Penultimate, okay. Sorry. Ultimate maker. Well you can Pen, do you one. know what? Penultimate sounds like such a cool word. Yeah. I want to use it more often. I know. But it just means the thing before the big thing. Yeah. And that's not what I mean. No. This what I'm gonna say is penultimate to ultimate, so blah. So NASA, NASA had a presentation, and a lot of so a lot of space researchers right now are doing a lot of brainstorming. Because, and I touched on this last week. Oh, right when we were talking about uh, Voyager One, Voyager One, yes. So, and we did an episode last year on asteroid mining. We certainly did. People like that one. Yeah, yeah. So one of the one of the biggest problems with doing anything in space, yeah, is you got to have shit there for people. And it takes a lot of money to ship people up, shoot people up safely, and it takes a lot of money to, you know, put things into space from Earth. Equipment in general is, I mean, every, every ounce, every milligram of weight on those ships has to be calculated for when they put the, the, the fuel in. Yeah, so the big idea that's spawning out yeah. of all this 3D printer stuff is you put robots with 3D printers on an asteroid... <laughs> They build uh, uh, the mining facility and then a station or whatever you need yeah. out of the raw materials on the asteroid. And then all you have to ship up there is the robot and the printer. Oh, yeah. And then it can build the rest of the stuff. They had... they had These were just, like, sketches, yeah. mind you. But kind of uh, sketches of you could build this, a city on the moon yeah. without anyone going there. Like, they were calling it, I believe... Uh, uh, massless travel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Effectively, you send up just the bare minimum amount of mass, just the uh, the robot that can turn regolith into concrete, mm-hmm. and then you shoot that up to the moon, and it uses the mass that's already there. Yeah, to build stuff. Yeah, yeah. It can build the moon city out of the moon. You don't have to ship anything up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and they were even talking about how even just. Sending up raw materials in in you know shipments as opposed to sending up the complete item yeah. is of course cheaper and you know I mean sending up the uh, like 
whatever they're building on the space station this week right. in pieces is always easier than sending up the complete object. Sending up just the raw materials and letting it be a, like manufactured in space, right? Cheaper and easier still. In 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 theory, you could even do that with like terraforming eventually. You send the plans for terraforming equipment to yeah. Mars, you oh, know, yeah. build an atmosphere, greenhouse gases, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. warm it up, melt the ice, yeah, that kind of thing. You can make Mars inhabitable for humans before you even send humans there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, this is a hundred years down the road, yeah. maybe a few hundred, but... Yeah, this is a hundred years before we can do it, and then a few hundred before it's ready, but... But this is the technology... Oh, yeah. That we're creating now, actively creating, I that's mean, making this stuff eventually possible. I mean, the the NASA presentation made a made a very interesting offhand comment, basically, uh-huh. about you know building a, a telescope in space with a lens so massive that like it couldn't even be built in Earth's gravity, like miles across. Yeah, having it, you know. Printed up inch by inch over several years by robots in space. And you could see further into the galaxy than ever. Yeah. You know. Like, and so so this presentation, yeah. it was, I want to get this right, it was Mason Peck, who is the chief technology officer at NASA. Okay? Yes. And he had a presentation called... NASA's call to uh, making space. NASA's call to action for makers who want to explore the universe. Oh yes, this and is where it gets fun. This is amazing. This is the power of kind of the maker movement. This is like why it's so notable. Mm-hmm. NASA is actively reaching out to the community of tinkerers, home designers, just like innovators who have no official capacity. Yeah, they're reaching out and saying. Give us cool ideas. Yeah, and they're also saying launching your own spaceships is not just for billionaires. Yeah. Like, you can buy this little cube that you can launch into space, or you can fill out a form and get NASA to launch it into space for you. And it is indeed an actual spacefaring vessel, a tiny one, right. but a spacefaring vessel that you can build. Yeah. And in, uh, in mechanic parlance, it is street legal. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because basically, I mean, people say this from time to time. The uh, the original Apollo missions, yeah. the computers on your smartphone are more powerful than the computers they had on that ship. Yeah, no, they straight up had one of those little spacecraft powered by a smartphone. Yeah. Like, because the smartphone has the, the gyroscope, it has the, you know, it can orient itself, it has GPS, it has all the stuff you need. Right, and it has, it has a transmitter. You and it can, has a transmitter. You can yeah. communicate it with it via your computer or whatever. Yeah, it has everything you need for a space mission, basically. Yeah, some programming tweaks on basically that technology, yeah. and you can shoot your tiny little, you know, uh, 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 five by five uh, satellite yeah. up in there, and then you can communicate it to do with whatever yeah. you want. Take like, pictures of the Earth. Yeah, like you, you stick a, a literal iPhone inside of it, <laughs> basically. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's two dimensions to this presentation. One, there's the recognition of just. Uh, 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 crowdsourcing an innovative world. Oh yeah, no, there was a whole thing about uh, uh, crowdsourcing uh, asteroid monitoring to yeah. make sure they don't hit us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the am- amateur astronomers yeah. have been like doing their part for centuries, as long as there have been telescopes available to the public. Right. Yeah. 
But uh, you know, kind of kind of expanding that yeah. with because we're so networked right now. You're listening to a podcast for yeah. fuck's sake. You know how this works. Seriously, go back to the nineties and try to explain what the fuck a podcast even is to anybody. There are so many things that had to happen to make you listening to this show an yeah. everyday thing. Yeah, well every week. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's other podcasts. That's true. Yeah. And we've got a big fat archive. Yeah. If you want to really That's just true. waste a week. You can listen to us every day for the next 131 days. Yeah, actually. And then do it again. You, you don't, don't, you, you don't have it'll to. Be, there'll be more by then, but you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. You can listen to, you listen to uh, Doug Loves Movies. Yeah, that's a good or, one. Uh, yeah, New Year's Eve with Neil Hamburger. I really like that one. It's a pretty funny. Yeah, one. and it's not. It's not about that. The point is, there's there's so many ways to crowdsource amateur astronomers now. Yeah, and one of the big, the other really big tenant of this was they're really interested in um, asteroids that are thrust to Earth. Yes, and because if we know it's out there. There are simple, non-Bruce Willis things you can do yeah. to nudge its trajectory safely away. You give it a gentle nudge. I mean, you're in a vacuum. That thing will go wherever you tell it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and they and, and universities have, have incomplete 3D models of, you know, the satellites around Earth, mm-hmm. but we don't know where they all are. No, we know where about 1% of them are. Yeah. Yeah. And part of this outreach is because NASA doesn't have the amount of government funding it needs, basically, yeah. since Nixon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but even if they had all the funding in the world, mm-hmm. one source of innovation it can't compare to millions of creative, independent people kind of just spitballing ideas. Oh, certainly. You know. And, I mean, yeah, they, they want to... Uh, they want to monitor asteroids. They want to send a uh, a, a little ship or uh, a, a probe out towards around the orbit of Venus to then look back at the Earth. I love this. This is an independent company. It was, uh, I think they have donors. I can't remember exactly yeah. where all their money's coming this from. This might be a fucking Kickstarter. It might be a Kickstarter. It's called, so one of the other problems with asteroids yeah. is... It's easy to see out. It's yeah. hard to see towards the sun. Yeah, the sun's like, so damn bright. We send a we send a probe out to look back at the Earth, and the sun's in the background, backlighting everything, ruining our view of the asteroids. Isn't it like a French company or an Italian company? Or it something? might be. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the, it's called the Sentinel, <laughs> and they're they're building it now, or they're working on it. Yeah. And what it does is it orbits it, it orbits roughly around where Venus is. So you know, one planet in from us. Yeah. And gets a, it, it monitors all that space between Venus and Earth. Yeah, it looks back at the Earth so the sun's behind it and it can see the asteroids very clearly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So once they put that sentinel in orbit near Venus, then we get that whole other perspective. Yeah. It's just, it's such a simple solution. It's like, oh, right, just put a camera in the opposite place, light it from a different direction. Yeah, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It is, it is. And and the amazing thing about this is, even the projects that run into the billions of dollars, uh huh, still not many billions of dollars. Certainly not funding a war billions of dollars. Well, that's the thing. Anything like a, a large country spends money on yeah. is, is it, it makes this look like peanuts. Oh, certainly, yeah. You know, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, there, there's so much cool shit there. It, I mean, not just avoiding asteroid impacts, yeah. which, I mean, come on, we we can do this world, you know? Yeah, but this is the amazing thing about Maker Faire, because, like, you know... On the one hand, you've got, like, people who like to make their own puppets. Yeah. And, like, uh, 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 mom and pop, like, uh, uh, 
innovative fresh bakeries. Yeah, like and yeah, guys was, who make electric guitars out of tennis rackets. Yeah, there was the tennis racket guitars. There was the the. I think there are a couple who make like gourmet peanut butter. Yeah, <laughs> like small batch organic peanut butter. But and they're like and then, people who are really into compost. Compost, yeah. People who are into farm machinery that you can run by riding a stationary bike. Yeah. But, but by then this, all the, the way up the side, other end of the ladder to fucking NASA. Yeah, you've got you've got people who are revolutionizing manufacturing. Yeah, uh, 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 all the way to space defense and eventually extraterrestrial colonization. Yeah, we've got like I mean NASA was there, Disney was there, big fucking players were there. Yeah. In addition to you know some dude in Brooklyn who likes to make uh, peanut butter. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the uh, uh, Maker Fair rules. Yeah, like this is this is the place for like anyone who is you know can create anything. Like yeah, yeah. You, you know, you want to go to people who think about things you know kind of the way you do or have like ideas that are actually interesting. Yeah, and think about how many times you go anywhere and like. You just wish someone would do something interesting. Yeah. Everything at Maker Fair is interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and, <laughs> and, you know, lately, you know, last couple of years, techno-utopianism gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. Silicon Valley's full of dicks who are pricing everyone out of San Francisco. Yeah. And just being dicks. Yeah. In the world. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you've also got the, these people who are doing, frankly... Doing tech utopianism right in the sense that these are just regular ass people. Yeah, and and it's it's so much open source. So oh, there's such absolutely. a vibe of there's no this is our company. This is the company you know uh, manifesto, and we yeah. will lead uh, the next century. This is all just anyone can come yeah. and play. Exactly, it's like a sandbox. Yeah, I mean. The people doing small batch organic peanut butter. Yeah. You think they really ship that far outside of New York, outside of the five boroughs? No. I just don't think they make enough for that to really be a viable plan. But they're welcome to come play, too. They're welcome to come play, and hell, if somebody in another city wants to make their own fancy peanut butter, they have that option. Yeah. You know, whose toes are you stepping on? Fucking nobody. No. Until Walmart gets into it, and frankly, I'm not sure Walmart is ready for some of these flavors. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And and I'm sure these people would probably enjoy sitting down with, you know, and having a beer with the peanut butter makers in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. And swapping recipes. Fuck yeah, man. That white chocolate cinnamon blew my mind. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't even get to that booth, and that sounds amazing. Oh, it was a white chocolate cinnamon almond butter. It was, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, ridiculous. That's a... Uh, that's a flavor explosion. It was. Yeah. Like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to recreate it. So, um, If you don't live in one of the cities that has this, I mean, you can at least, like, look into there it. There are definitely smaller ones dotted around the country at different times. Uh, the event, it's called, it's an old-timey spelling. It's a uh, maker, M-A-K-E-R, F-A-I-R-E. Yes, like my uh, hashtag. Yes, uh, makerfair.com. Uh, is the yes. site for the, you know, festivals, and you can get locations of everywhere they are. Yeah. And uh, Make Magazine, which is filled with, is that just make.com? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, double check, do a little Google on that, just in case. But, yeah, but uh, they have a magazine you can subscribe yeah. to, too, and that thing is awesome. It's like I mean, the issues are expensive as hell, but each one is the size of a book. Yeah, and yeah. it's just got tons of, like, ideas and, like, blueprint. Yeah. Blueprint. <laughs> Blueprints yeah, and like no. uh, step by steps to make all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, other magazines are available, but yeah. this one has 
step-by-step instructions on how to build cool shit and interviews with other people who build cool shit. And it's everything from, like, like how to make a robot yeah. to, like, how to make your own saddle. Yeah. You know, like tanning leather and building furniture. There is definitely a tutorial on how to make a bullwhip. I've seen that tutorial. It's yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah, no, I I definitely thought about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah, check it out. Like, anything you want to make. I mean, there's going to be somewhere in there for that. Absolutely check it out. If there is one in your neck of the woods, go. by all means, go to it. You know, it's got... A, I was joking about this with some people earlier. It's a significantly less nerd stink than Comic-Con. That's true. In both the literal and figurative sense. You know, because, frankly, there's there's no debate. There's no argument over... Who is an authentic nerd at a thing like this? Because if you're, you're there, if you know about it, you are a fucking nerd. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. And not just a nerd who's into stuff, a nerd who does stuff. Yeah, or yeah. at least aspires to do stuff, which is better than a hell of a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. There's no Hollywood co-opting here, okay? No, I mean, frankly, if Hollywood co-ops it, we'll just invent more shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually. So, yeah. Um, actually, that's a that's a pretty good attitude to have. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thumbs up. All right. Yeah. So, uh, until next week, seriously, worth checking out. We endorse it. Yes, absolutely. Breakfast yeah. with a big seal of approval. And uh, all that shit we were talking about, uh-huh. we will try to get a photo gallery of that up somewhere and alert you folks via Twitter, via our website, via Tumblr. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you don't follow us, I mean, I know you guys are on stuff. Uh, breakfast, uh, Facebook.com slash breakfast with the beak. Uh, breakfastofthebeak.tumblr.com, uh, thebeak.org. Yeah, I'm at thebeak on Twitter. He is at Doc Heisenberg on Twitter. That's a dog with a K. And uh, we are at Beak Network on Twitter. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, you know, keep up with us on there because we, it's not just links to the show. We'll put up pictures and bonus content and that kind of thing. Especially this week. And, uh, and as always, you can send us topics. Most weeks we don't choose our own topic. Yeah. We, uh, we do a topic that you guys want. You can tell that from the other 130 episodes. Episodes. Most weeks we don't get our minds blown like we did this week. Email those to topics at thebeak.org and we'll do one as long as we haven't seen like one of the most amazing things all year. Yeah. Yeah. So until next week, invent some more shit. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs>